the four o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. We'll get to some of the football news here in just a couple minutes. We're expecting uh, multiple former NFL players uh, in this hour to break things down with Deshaun Watson and obviously the Russell Wilson trade and Khalil Mack coming back to the division and now Max Crosby re-upping for upwards of about $100 million with over, uh, what, $50 million guaranteed. Adam Candy is here in our number two. It's Cofield live at the Thomas & Mack. We're getting ready for the semifinals of the Mountain West Conference Tournament. I thought last night was highly entertaining. I loved, you know, back-and-forth games, even if there's a lot of misses and it's, you know, a brawl and it's mostly defense-based. I heard some of the people complaining from the media. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think tonight is going to be awesome. The other thing is... Uh, the Thomas and Mac is going to be rocking and rolling. We'll see. Um, well, no, you know what? They're all here. I saw a good turnout last night from Colorado State. And Boise will have fans here on a Friday. San Diego State and Wyoming are going to – both groups are going to probably have in excess of four or 5,000 fans. So uh, this is going to be one of the biggest crowds we've seen for basketball in a long time at the T&M. So get your tickets. UNLVtickets.com. UNLVtickets.com. Um, you know, while we're speaking about basketball, I wanted to mention one thing with Brittany Griner. I do see a lot of people out there, Candy, who are like, well, screw her. I was like, how afraid are we as a society? Um, I had someone who believes I'm a friend send me a text yesterday. And, like, I'm an acquaintance of the person, but I think they were expecting a, a positive response. So I get a picture on text, a WNBA star who protested the U.S. National Anthem now wants U.S. to help uh, escape Russian jail. And, and the person said, aw, boo-hoo, karma. And I responded by saying, yeah, I'm not really down with that. Sorry, but being pro-Russia is effed up. Um, and the person said, I just wanted her to spend a month there so she realizes how stupid she is. Anti-anthem bitch. And, Over and, a song. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, if you heard us talk about, you know, protest a couple of summers ago, this show is very pro-protest. Protest what you want. Now, I don't, I'm not cool with bringing assault rifles to protest and threatening people with, you know, kidnapping. But if you're pro-protest, you got to be in favor of it across the board and... I mean, now we're starting to cross the line of just pure lunacy in terms of picking sides when we've got Americans trapped in other countries under the thumb of an absolute lunatic who's been a lunatic for years and years and years, and we're choosing sides? Really? This is where we are? We're so dug in, some of us? Come on. Listen, man. We've reached a point now where it's okay to fly flags from the back of your truck that say, F this person, F that person who are in politics. It's okay to wear a shirt that says, let's go someone, because it's a metaphor for saying F you to somebody. It's insane. And Brittany Griner is an American trapped in a foreign country, period. 
I don't care what anthem she kneeled for or didn't kneel for. I would say the exact same thing about the people who are anti-protest. You're anti-protest? You don't want someone to kneel for the anthem? I don't agree with you, but that's what being an American is. It's okay to not agree about it. It's okay to not be together on it. It's okay to have different views of those things. But when something so fundamental as you're trapped in a foreign country by a hostile dictator comes to our plate, there's no room for, well, you didn't like the anthem. No. This is human. This is about people. This is about people who are under the same flag as you, whether you like how someone treated that flag or not. Uh, good news out of the NFL. One of our hometown heroes, Foothill High School, Southern Utah University. UNLV actually uh, did not recruit him, but he's been in the NFL for a while now. One of those thorns in the side for uh, the Rebel football program going way back. Miles Killebrew, great special teams player, safety, now has a new two-year deal with the Steelers. Speaking of the Steelers, could the Steelers be the landing spot, Adam Candy, for Deshaun Watson, now that it seems like he's cleared, Grand Jury elects not to move forward with the charges in his case. Uh, Sean King, NFL insider and gambling expert down at VSIN, played in the NFL, says that, and he actually said this before Watson got cleared, he said it a couple of days ago, that he thinks it's imminent that Deshaun Watson will be going to Pittsburgh. What do you think? What's so hard about that is that I look at Mike Tomlin as the leader of that organization and think to myself, I don't know, man, doesn't seem like a Mike Tomlin kind of situation to have that sort of cloud of allegation hanging over the quarterback. And then I realize who Mike Tomlin's quarterback was for the past decade and a half in Ben Roethlisberger. So every quarterback needy team in the league is going to be looking at this situation. And when Deshaun Watson was just starting to make noise about wanting out of Houston – I said it then, I'll say it now, just in terms of football value, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, maybe now Josh Allen, and Aaron Donald. Those are the players I would not trade for Deshaun Watson on talent alone. And that's the thing, man. In the end, it's going to be about talent. Yep. Uh, you gave out the odds a couple minutes ago that are posted for Deshaun Watson's next team. I'll read the numbers. And you tell me if there's a team on this list that will object from a moral standpoint. Bucks three to one, Steelers plus three fifty, Saints nine to one, Vikings ten to one, Texans, he remains with the Texans twelve to one, Panthers twelve to one, Seahawks fourteen, Dolphins, Raiders twenty to one. Is there any team in that group that would go, We can't have a character like this in our organization? I think the closest you would get, only because this is the one owner we've ever seen take this sort of social justice view on certain things, would probably be Mark Davis. Uh, Mark Davis is the closest we've seen to any of the owners of the teams that we've seen listed here to being someone who might have a moral objection to Deshaun Watson's situation. Everybody else on that list, look, have we already know that Bruce Arians in Tampa is perfectly willing to overlook a guy like Antonio Brown. We know what the Steelers are. The Texans have been employing Deshaun Watson. The Seahawks have already been linked to him. Steven Ross with the Dolphins is trying to arrange yacht meetings behind people's backs to get a quarterback. So 
Who is it exactly in there that stands out to you? To me, the only one is Mark Davis for the Raiders. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Well, for the Chargers, it gives new coach Brandon Staley comfort because he worked with Khalil Mack in Chicago, loved the guy, believes he's still a top premier player in the NFL, so he can reset his defense on the edge with Joey Bosa alongside Mack. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at the Thomas and Mack. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler talking about the Khalil Mack deal, which still stings for Raiders fans. The sting is reduced a little bit today, Candy, with the reported deal that Max Crosby assigned to extend him out. Uh, but when it comes down to it, reality, uh, trying to block a healthy Khalil Mack, if that's what they're getting, and Joey Bosa for a Raiders offensive line that clearly is not going to be what it is right now. It's still going to be a tough task and something they have to deal with. And then going against Russell Wilson and, you know, the already dangerous Chiefs, this division is a freaking bear. Just gets worse and worse and worse if you're a Raiders fan. You talk about extending Max Crosby as a win. It's what you had to do right. to extend Max Crosby, but I also think it is a massive, massive risk for the Raiders because Max Crosby has exactly one season of elite performance and you just paid him as one of the top pass rushers in the league. Now, did you have a choice after the way everything got screwed up with Khalil Mack? No, but Khalil Mack asked to be paid after having three consecutive elite seasons as a pass rusher in this league. Max Crosby had one, got the bag. Good for Max Crosby as a human being on the second year anniversary of his sobriety because Great face for the franchise, but in terms of performance on the field, this is a massive risk for the Raiders. Let's continue talking some NFL and uh, the division, and I, I, st I still always go back to Seattle should be in the AFC West. I know it's been like forever that they haven't been, but it still stings. It still stings, but uh, Marcus Trufant, Seattle area guy, played for the Seahawks up upwards of uh, 10 years and joined us. want to talk about Russell Wilson in a couple minutes, but uh, Marcus, how you doing? Doing pretty good. How about yourself, man? We're good. We're good. It's uh, Steve and Adam here on ESPN Las Vegas. So give us your reaction to uh, the last couple of days with uh, defensive end news in the AFC West with Khalil Mack coming into the division again with the Chargers. And now today, I don't know if you saw it, but Max Crosby just signed his first big extension with the Raiders. Right. Yeah, man. I think it's good, man. I think it's good for um, players, of course. I know we talk about the risk and the I talk about the ugly side of the business, and I do that in quotations of guys um, not really proving themselves, right, in the longevity. But you talk about a guy like Max um, Crosby, a baller, is a difference maker. You throw the bag at him, and you want to keep him happy. You want to keep him doing his thing. So I'm all for it. I'm a player-friendly guy, so I love to see guys get paid up front. How about the Khalil Mack trade? Yeah, man, that's heavy. That That's – um. Different, of course, to see him back in the division, of course. But um, it, it, this dude is just all-around stud, so the guy's going to continue to do what he uh, does. So throw him some big money, and let's make it work. Marcus Trufant, the former uh, Seahawks defensive back, he's got his uh, podcast, Truly Unruly, with your wife. My God, oh, that's got to be crazy. <laughs> Scary stuff, right? <laughs> Scary stuff. <laughs> But it's good, though, man. We, we uh, talk um, just life after football, right, and what's that transition look and feel like. 
got five kids. I got a bunch of daughters. I got a little son, too. Recently just got a new dog. But how does that look? If you leave the NFL, I'm here with my wife all the time now. So she loves me, but she doesn't like me all the time, right? So <laughs> it's fun, it's raw, and it's good stuff. Well, I can tell you in my home, uh, my girlfriend was livid the other day when Russell Wilson came to the division, so I had to deal with that. Um, I want Uh-oh. you to yeah, – well, she's a Chargers fan, so she ain't happy. She's not a, and she does not like the Broncos. Um, first of all, give me the vibe in Seattle. I mean, this, this is a sobering moment. It can be a depressing time period for Seahawks fans. So what's the vibe on the ground now that uh, Russell Wilson is gone? It's kind of crazy, man, because the vibe is all over the place, right? And you got people that say, okay, it, uh, it kind of felt like – I kind of felt like Russ was checked out at the last couple of years, even though he's still putting up good numbers and he's doing his thing. And he still was an excellent quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. And then, of course, you've got the fans that are heartbroken. Uh, broken. It's people that are mourning at the loss of Russell Wilson. And I think, not that it's 50-50, but I think a lot of people were surprised because we've been talking about it the last couple of years around here. Um, do we keep Russell Wilson? Is he going to leave? Is he happy? Um, it's the offensive line conversation, but I really just think, I personally think it was just um, a move that he wanted to make just to do something different, man, and prove that he is like a Tom Brady-esque type of quarterback and you go to a different team and you have the same results and you come out with Super Bowls and this and that. So I, I think that played into it a little bit. That's not the... Not the deciding factor, but I think that was a small part of it. You know, Marcus, you talk about uh, that idea that Tom Brady kind of quarterback, and, and you know, we, we went through it for years with Brady with New England. Is it about Brady? Is it about the system, right? And, and you played for one of the great defensive uh, units of, of all time, and we saw Gus Bradley come down here to the Raiders and help them turn things around last year. What do you know about him? What do you know about that system that, that allowed the Raiders to to be able to, as a group, all come together and have a better season last year? Um, I think if you talk about Gus Bradley, it's really just about the energy and it's about accountability, right? Everybody do their job. I know it sounds like it's cliche, but that's what he preaches day in and day out, and that's what they did with the Seahawks. Everybody speaking the same language. I've always called it that you got to get everybody to drink the Kool-Aid, right? And if you can get the, the uh, team, especially on defense, if you can get guys to really buy into the system and just kind of let things kind of naturally happen, don't go cheating, uh, chasing picks, chasing stats, and, and uh, chasing stats, and just kind of let the game come to you. And everybody wins. Everybody eats at that point. So I think that's what it really is for Gus. And Gus is a guy that really wants guys that are team guys, and that's where he does best. And that's why those defenses did so good. Of course, you had a bunch of superstars on that team. You talk about guys like Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Sherm, and you talk about all the big boys up front, uh, Bennett, and then and, uh, and Cliff Averill, guys that were really superstars, but they kind of took themselves out, and they did what's best for the team. And you as a defensive back, I'm sure, can look at this division right now, and obviously it got even scarier now with Russell Wilson. you got four great quarterbacks 
uh, in this division. What kind of challenge is it against the kind of guys that are in this division for a defensive back in today's NFL? Well, yeah, man. You talked about a guy like Crosby. Um, that's where the DBs are going to make their money, right? You can go only as far as your D-line is going to go. I've always said that the best coverage is a sack, right? You get the big boys hunting up front, and you make these quarterbacks uncomfortable. So um, I'd say that these D-linemen or, or that these defensive backs need to really start taking care of the D-linemen. I don't know if that means taking them out to dinner. I don't know <laughs> if that means a better Christmas gift. Um, but you really got to take care of the boys up front because that's how you're going to make your money. Talking football with uh, former Seattle Seahawks defensive back Marcus Trufant. Cofield and company, we're live at Thomas and Mack and ready for the Mountain West Conference Tournament semifinals. All right, what's going to happen in the division? For you right now in the AFC West, what's the pecking order? Oh, man, um, I'm on the spot, huh? Um, I don't know, man. Um <laughs> I mean the chief. The Chiefs clear. The Chiefs clearly are, are the team to beat, and then well, after that, the decision is between, you know, Denver, the Chargers, and the Raiders, and a lot of people have the Raiders in dead last. Well, I don't know if I would do that though, because you never really know, right? And even with the Chiefs, and I know that we're in the off season, the uh, Chiefs are supposed to be all world, but I think the rest of the division knows that. So you come in and you have a little chip on your shoulder, and I'm not really sure so much about the Chargers, but I think the Broncos, of course, are going to be able to make some noise. Everybody's going to hype them up just because of the Russell Wilson trade, but you never really know of how that's going to fit there. And so um, I'm not going to say it's wide open, but there's a chance for everybody. Everybody's chasing the Chiefs, but there is a chance there. And I wouldn't put the Raiders last. I wouldn't do that to the Raiders. I mean, why would you do that, bro? <laughs> I said a lot why of people. Believe me, on, oh, on, right. this, on this show, we have about six different cast members. Uh, I am the one who is generally glass overflowing on the Raiders. Everyone else is very much in uh, doubt mode about this Raiders team. And there, there are reasons for it. You know, last year they had a negative point differential. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me, give, what, were your, what were your brother's impressions of, of the organization? I know he wasn't you know, around for the longest time, or hasn't been around for the longest time. What? Give me right. his impressions of the organization. Well, from what I got from um, just his energy is that he liked it, man. Yeah. And, and he thought that there was a good thing going on. Um, I know, of course, with the uh, uh, coaching changes and all that kind of good stuff, that things were good. And you guys did the best with um, pretty much all situations, right? And I saw a lot of bright spots. I made the trip down to Vegas. I came to watch him a fan now, right? As you know, I cheerlead for my brother. So I got there. I thought the energy was good. I thought the stadium was good. And um, that's just how it works, man. It comes down to, um, to the X's and O's and the execution. And everybody could say, yeah, that we could have been better here or we could have did that. But overall, I thought you guys played some damn good football, especially down the stretch. And there are times when a player can go to an organization and kind of feel it, you know, at some point or maybe even from the get-go that, you know, the vibe ain't that good here. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I took a trip. Um, I played 10 years up in Seattle. Um, and, then, um, and then I was chasing Gus Bradley. I went down with Gus Bradley down in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. I was old and kind of crusty at that point, though, and I didn't <laughs> see him. Uh, 
I pretty much got fired on my day off during training camp. But oh, wow. things are different. And you talk about facilities. You just talk about the energy of the community. And, you know, I was spoiled up here in Seattle. And you talk about the 12th man and all that kind of stuff that's going on. So things can be different, and you can feel the difference from organization to organization. But um, I didn't get that from my brother. I got all the – that he, he just thought it was a good look. And he was able to take advantage of his opportunities. And um, just like I said earlier, I thought the Raiders played good football down the stretch. Marcus, before we get you out of here, tell us about the uh, Trufant Family Foundation. Yes, the Trufant Family Foundation was um, born here in uh, 2003, 2004, and that was my rookie year, right? So uh, I guess I'm kind of aging myself. But we give back to the community, man, by way of scholarships. And we've been giving scholarships for a long time in this community to pretty much all the high schools in this area. And it's about giving opportunities to kids um, to see things that they might not see, man. And it's just not about that scholarship. you got to have those wraparound services that come with the scholarship. If you can't eat, most likely, and you're not going to have a good situation when it comes to your education if you don't have a... Uh, that you don't have transportation, and we want to educate parents just on everything that, that comes with being a young person and being successful and just creating the next powerful people. It's not just about sports, but we want to create the next doctors and politicians and all this kind of stuff, man. So we're all for helping young people. That's true for our family foundation. Yes, indeed. Yeah, make sure you check it out, TrufantFamilyFoundation.com, uh, and also the Truly Unruly podcast. Uh, Marcus and his wife, Jessica, do that podcast, and it's actually up on Podcast One is where you can find it. Well, we appreciate the time today. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks, bro. There you go. Marcus Trufant, former defensive back in the National Football League, and, of course, uh, Desmond with the Raiders this past season. Uh, we got a lot more to get to with uh, defensive back talk. We're going to bring in uh, Mighty Mac, Mark McMillan, who, of course, played in the league a little earlier than Marcus. But uh, he's got takes on the uh, Raiders with Max Crosby, Derek Carr, and, of, uh, of course, the big news today that Deshaun Watson is now free of charges. Grand jury in Texas elects to uh, move on without moving on to something really bad. So Deshaun Watson up for grabs for a lot of organizations, we think, around the National Football League. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. The plan is to get back to the game in a position that no one ever been. Maybe Jerry Jones think it looks sexy that I'm putting out all this motivation and all this hard work and encouragement. Maybe he want to harness some of that energy. Now back to Cofield and company live at the Thomas and Matt. Is Antonio Brown, is this a bit at this point? Like, he knows he's not playing in the National Football League again, right? Why or, would he believe that? Or is why, he that? Why? Well, I mean, he's gotten chance after chance after chance. You're right. No one realizes when they're out of chances. Mark McMillan, former NFL player, is here with us. Mark, does Antonio Brown have more chances left in the NFL? You know what? It seems like we've been talking about this for the last two or three years, and we've always said he's done and then he makes the comeback, but it, it's hard to it's hard to say that he's done. You know, he, he's still productive. He still can get it done. Um, you know, obviously things that happened in, in Tampa Bay. You know, there's two sides to every story. Um, so you know, if it, if it's a franchise, what he's done in Tampa Bay, you know, he, he put up good numbers. 
and he helped him win the Super Bowl. He quit in the middle of a game with like one of the most easygoing, you know, open coaches, Bruce Arians. Who else? Who else is going to deal with him? Yeah, that, that, that's a tough one. But you know what? To, to his point, I, I know some guys that I've played with that actually quit on us, but they just didn't make it public. They didn't even want to come back in the game, Steve. Yeah. They quit on us, and the meeting room was dead silent until Mr. Minister of Defense Reggie White called him out. But I, we've had some guys that actually quit on us during the game as well. Not public, you know, because of social media, but it'd be hard for a team to bring them in and say, hey, we're going to give you another opportunity. But if you look at the league now, man, they're, they're giving these guys all kinds of chances, except if you're Cal- what, except, except if you're Mr. Ridley. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to agree with you on this one, especially Candy, who's a, a gambling aficionado and works for LegalSportsReport.com and has a strong take <laughs> on why the NFL can't tolerate this. But did you want to bring up the fact that you, you think the Ridley penalty was too strong? I don't think it was too strong. You know, the rules are the rules. You can't bet on right. football. Um, but, you know, it's, you know, it's black and white. You know, he knew the deal. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's kind of – it's kind of you, you figure they got all these betting sites. Uh, you know, they're betting on players. You know, you got guys calling your phone. Even when I was playing in the 90s, I had guys calling my phone anonymously, asking me if Randall Cunningham is going to play, is Tony Gonzalez, is Derek Thomas is going to suit up. Uh, you know, so the, the, it's just now more public. You know, it's a shame that he you know, is costing himself, what, $10 to $11 million, uh, you know, worth, worth of money that he's going to lose out on. But the NFL is actually making a ton of money off of gambling in the National Football League. Mighty Mac, Mark McMillan with us, former uh, Eagle defensive back, played with several other teams. I won't mention the Chiefs, but I just did. Uh, let's talk about Deshaun <laughs> Watson. And, again, second chances. Deshaun Watson was you know, accused of some pretty serious stuff here. And – we were just mentioning it a while ago. We don't see any of the teams that could be candidates for Watson uh, raising a big stink about his troubles off the field. Do you do you think he's going to be limited in the spots that'll want him? Uh, you know, I don't think so because he's a he's a he's an elite quarterback, and you know, in this league, man, you got to have an elite quarterback to be able to compete at a high level. You know, the Texans are not going to win anything anytime soon, and you know, let that young man go out, you know, and, and see where he can go and see where he can flourish. And help out your team. Um, you know the the good old days of the National Football League of the king clean cut guys is over. Nowadays you got guys that's committing crimes. You got guys, you know, getting put in jail, beating on their wives and their mistresses. And guys are still getting second chances. And you know Deshaun's getting another opportunity to play. I'm sure some organizations are going to uh, reach out to him. I, I'm a big fan of the guy because he can put up numbers and he's a franchise quarterback. Wait, did you say today that's happening, or were you referencing your era? What are you, what are you talking about? There were there were lunatics all over the league that got second chances back when you played. Well, that, it just wasn't public, Steve. You know, okay. I don't want to put anybody out there, there, and, there and call out any. Then somebody might pull up my 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 mistress's stuff that I had back See? in the day with my man Bad Boot Rising. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. Good, good point. By the way, good point. Glad you brought up Andre Rising, or we could talk uh, Charles Haley. We could certainly <laughs> talk Pac Man. Over the years, um, where do you think the best match is for Deshaun Watson? Um, you know, the way things are shaping up, uh, you know, I, I can see him. If the Raiders are willing to make a trade, uh, that would be a good fit for him. I know Arizona is having a little trouble with Kyler Murray wanting money, but he hasn't proven himself. I know they're going to have some money left. Uh, if they don't sign Chandler Jones, that's going to be a big uh, offseason thing that they have to take care of. 
But you, you see the way the AFC West has turned out, man. We're going to be getting some. We're going to be seeing some exciting football uh, in Las Vegas, man. When all those quarterbacks coming in, you got Russ, you got Justin, and you know you got Mahomes. So it, it it's only fitting that you you know you bring the guy out, bring him, bring him to Vegas, gamble on him, take a shot. Rank them for me, Mac. The quarterbacks in the AFC West. You just mentioned now with Russell Wilson in the mix. We have a lot of people who have said now that Derek Carr is the fourth best quarterback in the division. Who do you think is the best, and how do you think it falls from there? Um, it, you, uh, Pat is obviously the best quarterback. Uh, you know, Justin is a young guy, but he's just as good as those guys. And it's, it's hard to say who's going to be the best quarterback in that division because all these guys have won at a high level. You know, Pat's won a Super Bowl. Russ has won one. Uh, Justin just needed a little bit of help, uh, you know, with the Chargers. Uh, but, you know, it, it's going to be pretty exciting to see what the Raiders are going to do. You know, we, we've been talking about this. as hard as the franchise guy. Is he not? They need other pieces as well. They need a wide out. Uh, you know, you got linebackers out there. you got Wagner who's out there who's a free agent. Uh, that don't feel well. You see the big deal that they gave Max Crosby. Congratulations to that man for breaking the bank and it's well-deserved. Well, speaking of defensive ends breaking the bank, Khalil Mack's contract when the Raiders chose to let go of him in Chicago was six years, $141.5 million. It didn't really work out. Uh, Bears never really got much done. He performed up to his level, and now he goes to the L.A. Chargers, man. That defense could get pretty scary with him and Bosa there. Yeah, I think that's a great pickup by the Chargers, and it's almost like they're trying to – Mimic what the Rams did. The Rams loaded up. You know, they they brought in uh, Von Miller uh, to help out Aaron Donald in the pass rushing, uh, uh, you know, aspect. Now you got Bosa, and you got Khalil Mack. You know, the AFC West. I mean, like I said, you're going to need a mobile quarterback, and you're going to need a quarterback that can get. Oh, sounds like the phone might have dropped out there. We'll try to hook back up with Mark McMillan here in just a second. Wait, how about that discussion if we choose to go down the path of Derek Carr potentially going out of town for Deshaun Watson coming into town, one Christian for another, Candy? Yep, uh, we heard Deshaun Watson today very clear about his faith, uh, that the truth has set him free of the criminal charges that he was facing. He thanked his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and... Obviously, Deshaun Watson was able to place his faith both in the good Lord and Rusty Harden. Would, uh, that's a good line, would, would part of Raider Nation actually get on a pedestal and start preaching down at Deshaun Watson with the history of the Raiders? No! And, and, their, and their, their, their pension for embracing folks who needed a second chance, who may have had issues away from the field? Uh, why, why don't I spin that around to uh, to our guy, Mark McMillan, uh, the question you just asked there, Cofield. Uh, Mark, Cofield wants to know, does he, is there any part of Raider Nation, Raider Nation, the home of the black hole, that do you think would have any <laughs> trouble with welcoming Deshaun Watson? I, I don't think they will have any problem uh, with welcoming. If it's what they've been doing the last couple of years anyway, you know, you bring in guys that have questionable passes, uh, but – you know, he's a proven quarterback. Um, I think Raider Nation will, will embrace him. I don't think people will really be uh, burning up, you know, Derek Carr's jersey uh, for leaving or anything like that. And, you know, we'll be able to see some exciting football. But 
just because you bring Deshaun Watson, if he had an opportunity to play for the Raiders, doesn't mean that that offense is going to, you know, click. They still need some receivers on the outside. Uh, you know, they they got a really good, healthy running game. You know, once those guys get healthy, but I'm sure if he came to Vegas, there will be a lot of exciting people in the desert that'll be excited to see that number four, and uh, and it won't be Mr. Carr. What do you think about some of the other quarterback moves? Maybe not the the most fancy ones, but uh, in the NFC East, where the Giants are kicking the tires on Trubisky, and the Commanders uh, have a new quarterback. Yeah, it seems like Mr. Wentz, man, he just can't let – it seems like ever since he got hurt, uh, you know, playing against the Rams years ago uh, for the Eagles, he's just never been the same. And then he goes to Indianapolis. He didn't have a really bad year. And, you know, to see them give up on him so early after one year, I can tell you one franchise is excited. It's the Philadelphia Eagles because we got a lot of picks uh, from what he uh, was able to do in Indianapolis. And the commanders, you know, I don't I don't know what's going on over there. I see they released. Uh, Landon Collins, um, he was disgruntled to be in there. But I don't need – if I was a player right now, and I'll be honest, if they called me to play for that franchise, I don't think I would do that. That's because all the drama that they have going on from upstairs that still has not been cleared away. There is a stink on the organization, and the stink is from uh, Dan Snyder. So what do you got cooking the last uh, – like literally cooking in the last last couple of weeks? What have you been doing with the grill? <laughs> Oh, man, I've been burning up some brats, man. I got some nice brats that I grilled up today. Um, I got some bacon-infused 80-20 ground chuck burgers that I'm going to try for the first time out here in Phoenix, Arizona, man. I got a, a nice little butcher shop that I'm, I'm trying out. So it's going down, man. And then March Madness, stay tuned, baby. We got a brisket that's going to go on because I just released my brand-new coffee rub that you can purchase in about a month once it's cleared. So get yourself some of that Grilling McMillan barbecue sauce, baby, online today. It'll change your life. Where do they go online, Mark? Uh, GrillingMcMillan.com. Just go on there, and I have three spices, uh, Bootin, Tootin and Bootin, uh, Boom 3.0, and I got Cooking with Claire, and I got the barbecue sauce. So, Steve, I got to get you in the candy, man. I got to get y'all some ribs with that sauce on it, man. I'm telling you, it's going to have you jumping out your seat, baby. All right, I'm ready. I know candy's ready. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready, but Cofield wants more of that clearance meat, Mac. We can't do that. <laughs> the clearance meat. <laughs> no, more, no more of that clearance meat, man. No more clearance meat. Mark, appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. I right, appreciate you guys. Have a good one, man. Made a burger last night in the air fryer. That's as fancy as I got. A lot of salt and pepper on there. What temperature did we cook that to? Is it medium rare? Is it well done? What would you do with it? Medium rare. Okay. Got a little I, too close to medium. I can respect that, though. I, I can respect the hustle. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't fill up on all of the uh, press room food at the Mountain West Tournament. It's always a feast. Uh, yeah, it was a feast. <laughs> there was a lot of it. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. Nothing better than stew on a Friday, right? Oh, baby. We're getting to the final hour. Let's get fired up. We got Mountain West Conference basketball coming up. In just a little bit, 6.30 start. As the top four teams in the conference are here at the Thomas & Mac, last night was a friggin' brawl in all four games. And tonight, 
Great fan bases. Going to be packing the place. Big power teams outside of Colorado State. And, of course, they have one of the big power players in the conference in David Roddy. Um, let's see. Between Leon Rice, Dutcher. And it's actually kind of a split. I threw this out last night on Twitter when I was watching Dutcher, who complains a lot to the, the officials. And then you watch his team, and Matt Bradley complains a lot to the officials, and Chad Baker-Mazzara is a lunatic. He got another tech last night. The coach reflects the behavior. I'm sorry. The players reflect the behavior of the coach. And tonight you've actually got Linder and Medved, who Linder rides the officials a little bit, but he's not crazy. Medved doesn't I, – I don't see him saying anything. He's just teaching his team. Same with Justin Hudson. But I threw the question out last night. You know, it's interesting to watch Dutcher and Leon Rice, and Steve Alford is just – he is vicious. I mean, just – I like – I don't. I, I was sitting courtside watching uh, early in the day, watching Reno play Boise, and I had my head down for the first play of the game, and all of a sudden I hear like, "That is awful! You gotta call that bomb!" Like it is eight seconds into the game. Nothing, nothing as an official will get you like a guy complaining on the first <laughs> right. call of the game. Because you look at it and you're like, I got to do this for another 39 minutes. Yep. Oh my god, that's perfect though. Good contrast tonight because you've got you've got Leon Rice who is like the foot stomper yeller, yep. like ah, and then you've got Dutch who's completely different. Dutch is kind of like the incredulous look, hands in All the, the air guy. I, you know what? I got a picture across court, and I was like, I just kept getting the same picture where he's just yep. he's always got his hands out, like what's going on? And the, the amazing thing is with both of those guys. Their teams play bully ball. This is true. They're and super That's why aggressive. they're arguing. That's yes. why. Well, that's why. Well, then, but, but then I often think, you as an official can answer this, when I pose the question about, you know, the contrast in styles, do guys who are quieter like Medved and Kruger, do they actually screw themselves by not riding and keeping up with the competition? No, they don't at all. I'm telling okay. you 100% no because – I'm going to tell you the most challenging situation for an official. The most challenging for us is not having a Dutcher-Rice matchup where they're both going off on you the whole game because you can manage that. That's even on both sides, whether you warn them, whether you tech them, whether you just try to talk them both through it, no big deal. Your problem is when you get Leon Rice on one sideline and Kevin Kruger on the other sideline because the contrast becomes enormous where a guy like Kruger is probably better off not saying anything because when he speaks up for that first time, how do you deal with him when you've probably been letting Leon Rice get away with God knows how much for the rest of the game? That's the hard situation for an official. No, Kevin Kruger is doing absolutely the right thing if that's the way that he believes he can get the most for his team. I'm not saying Leon Rice is wrong. You want to ride the officials? That's your way? So be it. It's on the officials to set the parameters for Leon Rice. Yeah, Kruger does speak to the officials, but I think in, in large part, well, he does, it, he does it more quietly and more from a cerebral standpoint, asking lots of questions. Um, but I do think he, he does feel like he has to keep up a little bit when the other side is just constantly freaking complaining. I'm going to tell you why a guy like Kevin Kruger can get things done with an official. Because once the officials – and look – Every official in the conference knows the coaches by now, right? Even if it's a first year like Kevin Kruger, they've had a chance to see him. They probably knew him as an assistant previously. So what you know with a guy like Kruger, who doesn't speak up very much, when they talk to you, you listen closely. 
because you know that they don't speak up a whole lot. Right. The, the famous one in uh, you know where I work on the women's side is Tara Vanderveer at Stanford. She will sit there silent for the entire game. When Tara stands up and says something, you're like, I might have missed something if she's actually talking. So it can work with the Kevin Kruger style. And with the players, we had a, we had a scenario last night where uh, Utah State and Colorado State in the final minute – Justin Bean came charging down the floor for Utah State and probably did not charge. The player stepped in late to draw an offensive. And on the other end, I think it was the next play, missed shot, David Roddy, I thought actually did a pretty good job of clearing the defender to go over his back and tip the ball out, and they called over the back. So, hey, you're an official. I don't want to utter, you know, the dirty words, you know, or the dirty phrase makeup call, but some people thought that may have happened there. The thing when you talk about makeup calls, it's not about whether it actually happens. It's about the appearance. And if people see something like that and they believe it, then you're in the you're in the bag, man. You're in the bag. Uh, and right now, this time of year, we are hearing not quite the uh, we're not hearing the spring birds chirping quite yet, even though it's getting a little warmer in Las Vegas. We are hearing the annual sound of, I don't know what's a blocker or a charge in college basketball anymore. Why do we even call it? I don't know. I'm just waiting to hear it again tonight on some of the broadcasts. That's what it sounds like to me after a while. Complaining about the same call that's been made all year long. Do, do the officials miss it? Yeah, the officials miss it. I've missed it. But you know what? If you think you can officiate that play better, I got a whole bag of whistles for you. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.